Okay, first and foremost, we are not mental health professionals. We are here to share our experience, but we can't give you medical advice. If you're experiencing a crisis, please reach out to a local or national resource. You can reach the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or find additional mental health resources on the ABA website. We're recording. We're recording. Uh Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Well, it's not welcome back for you guys. You've been <laughs> you've been listening to this Hopefully. podcast <laughs> religiously every week. You yeah. better have. Um, but we haven't recorded in a second. So yeah, leading into the holidays, we pre-recorded a couple episodes so that because we were both traveling a lot, it was going to be hard for us to coordinate episodes. So we pre-recorded and we've just been kind of posting them along the way. We haven't actually been in the studio in like three weeks. Yeah, it feels like forever I've yeah. missed it but anyway this is a uh, mensana emotion for mental health I am your co-host Laura and I'm Caitlin this is a podcast dedicated to reducing mental health stigma in the legal industry through weekly conversations so so wow, the other like thing is since you've said those words I know the other thing is I'm weirded out it hasn't been just the two of us in a long time either That's true we've had guests the last three episodes now yeah two with no four two with Matt one with oh, Rebecca yeah. and You're then right. one with Jack it's been like and David. A month of guests, guys. You're stuck with us for this one. I'm really sorry. We've <laughs> Did had you like miss us? <laughs> we've had like so many exciting, like great episodes. Like I feel a little bit pressure to follow like all the greatness that I we know. just recorded. Man, all right, we need to get some more guests back on here. Jeez, I know. We seriously, to, we well, we're planning. working on it. We're working. On it. <laughs> we have a couple really good. Uh, we have a an author that wrote a book called mm-hmm. The Introverted Lawyer her name is Heidi Brown we have not confirmed that we're bringing her on yet but we've been in talks with her really excited to read through that book and talk with her i know she's taught a number of CLEs um fingers crossed yeah we've got a couple other people too that we have sort of on deck so we will have more guests coming up but for the next couple of weeks it might just be the two of us but that's Stay okay because we have great exciting topics to talk about yeah and today we're going to talk all about resources so this is going to be part one of at least a two-part episode yeah. we'll probably stick to two parts and I know you guys have heard us talk time and again, at least about my struggles in finding a therapist. <laughs> like I continually complain about that. Um, so yeah, you're going to hear more in depth about that. You're going to hear about like resource access, different types of resources. We're going to go through like our personal experience with access to resources. But I know you've looked at some statistics too about resources and how maybe some of those statistics like imply access um people being able to find therapists different insurance issues people finding mental health care that like they can relate to so for example like it's important for me to find a queer therapist so um things of that nature yeah i mean we've talked to a lot of people recently that have just said they've had so much trouble finding a therapist for a multitude of different reasons and I think one way to help alleviate that is to let people know that there are way more options out there than just your traditional like in-person one-on-one therapy appointment with a therapist, which is also great. But um, in light of this sort of lack of availability, lack of access, we thought it'd be really good to talk to you guys about some alternative options. So before we do that, it is time for a update on our journeys. 
it's like I know you guys have been listening to us on an ongoing basis the past couple of weeks but for us it's been a couple of weeks since we've been able to talk about this so <laughs> get ready for us to just dump some stuff on all of you because I think we've got a couple of weeks to catch up on here yeah um, emotional unloading right here yeah seriously this do you want to go therapy. first yeah I do want to yeah first. I know you have a lot to talk about <laughs> I do I'm gonna stagger this information it's gonna be a lot um yeah so for me um we're coming in post um, my vacation in Colorado skiing. I was off skiing for a week and I really was able to just fully disconnect from anything. I checked email every once in a while, but like I just sort of focused on skiing and <sighs> best feeling. Yeah. Skiing and like Colorado activities. Yeah. So it was good. It was good to like step away from everything, especially because I was in such a slump around the holidays and I really was and honestly <laughs> I already know what my happy pill is going to be for this <laughs> week I'm just gonna debut it early I'm just like kind of glad that Christmas is over oh my god yes I'm really glad like I felt like I just breathed a sigh of relief from the pressure that was like Christmas for me yeah. and Christmas morning and stuff was nice for me I was with my family like you know nothing bad happened etc once again um but that's the thing about mental health like some bad event doesn't have to be necessarily affirmatively happening to you for your brain to be mean to you. So my yeah. brain was really not nice to me for like a while. Yeah. So just to cut in really quickly, mm -hmm. I was watching a video um, that Trevor Noah did. It's like a segment that he does on The Daily Show. And part of what he said that we probably should have known this before we did the holiday episodes is that the holidays are like statistically the worst time of year for people with anxiety and depression and other mental illness. And it makes so much sense. I think we probably like guessed that when we recorded sure. our previous episodes, but I think a lot of people can relate to, to that. I know I can relate to that a hundred percent. Like it was completely exhausting. So yeah. I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to that as well. It was kind of surprising for me to hear that, but like, yeah. like I said, it makes so much sense. It does make sense. Yeah. I definitely, man, I wasn't even really excited for Christmas. Like I, I've never felt that way my life I've always yeah. been you know whether the holidays always brought stress I think that most people can say that even if they have they're super looking forward to the holiday season etc just because of like travel weird family members etc we talked about like going home again and revisiting that kind of stuff but yeah this is the first year I wasn't even excited for Christmas and I never really got excited like I think I enjoyed Christmas and I'm proud of myself for doing like what I could with that but I am happy they're over I'm happy that I went away shortly after Christmas and yeah uh especially because um right before a few days before Christmas I got some like bad health news which I'm not quite ready to talk about on here yet but I will talk about it <laughs> in the framing of my coping mechanism currently um which is to kind of just distance myself from it a bit and which I think is good and bad so Lately, like with different um, like events that have come up in my life, whether they be about like relationships or loss or et cetera, I've been practicing like not needing to jump fully into it and be so emotionally embroiled that I can't think straight. I've just been trying to practice some distance and perspective, trying to use my like cool logical side to think about some of the things. And that doesn't mean not feeling what I'm feeling in the moment, but I just don't live there for as long as I normally would. And I've been able to like at least handle smaller stakes things, what I think of in a better fashion, which is for me taking a little bit of distance from it. But in practicing that, because it's kind of a new tool that I've been using, I sometimes go extreme. And this this sort of news has felt like an out-of-body experience for me. Like I feel like this news 
about my physical body is happening to somebody else because it was so like emotionally jarring frankly when I heard it um I got super overwhelmed and emotional for like a few days and then I just stopped and I didn't think about it anymore and I literally haven't thought about it for like I don't know a couple weeks now and I know I need to revisit it and I'm going to because frankly it's urgent (laughs) and I don't really have like lots of time to just ignore it and it's not my style yeah. anyway ignoring something I know a lot of people um, cope by sort of shutting down or like burying their head in the sand that feels very foreign to me my problem is usually the opposite and just rolling around in it and having to like process it immediately and get everything out for days so we're still sort of practicing this tool I need to reacquaint myself with my physical body somewhat soon but I'm trying to like enter that in a deliberate and intentional fashion um, while still allowing myself to feel emotions. I'm just trying to not enter the anxiety spiral where I catastrophize everything and everything feels extreme. So updates on how that goes. Um, I'm still out of body at this point and feel like everything is happening to someone else. So (laughs) that's where I am, but it, it feels okay. I have a lot of positive things mental health wise too going on that are like both exciting and scary. I just feel like a lot of big changes are coming up. There's a lot of like big things I want to work on, including like within my work, um, different house situations, my car, like really big ticket items that I'm kind of both like scared to and excited to address. It's of course, you know, this <laughs> feeling I just dropped my beer bottle cup it's fine <laughs> we got new koozies guys they're super cute check, check out, out our instagram <laughs> <laughs> we're so basic i can't <laughs> um but no like and i know it's probably cliche because the new year brings that probably for a lot of people and then it's not really in the sense of like resolutions that are formal for me it's just more like this new year is bringing things that are like coming up just by virtue of time yeah, I was going to say so, for a non-resolutioner, you're really hitting 2020 <laughs> pretty hard. I'm proud of you for it, though. I like it. I know. Like, I do. I I consider, like, a new year, like, you know how exciting it is to get, like, fresh, like, stationery at the start of, a, like, a yes, new school Yes, I year, just got like a new a planner. New it's, like, mm, uh, it's so mm, nice. So good. Like, when so the crisp. paper is crisp. Oh, yes. And, like, there's no writing on the other side. Yes. And, like, the pen feels good. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what, like, a new year feels like to me. Not that I necessarily want to, like, write all these bulleted points down, the things I need to do. But I just... It feels refreshing. Yeah. And I feel like I'm slightly back to normal. And yeah, that's my very long mental health update. No, I love it. I love it. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the holidays were a lot. I was thinking about it earlier. And I think if I had like one word to describe the last like three weeks of my life, I would say exhausting, mentally exhausting, emotionally exhausting, physically exhausting, just like exhausting in every way possible. We traveled a bunch. Um, we were in Baltimore for my partner with my partner's family for Christmas, which was amazing. But it was my first Christmas without my grandparents, and my second Christmas in a row not being home in New York with my with my family. And Christmas has always been like a really really important holiday in my family. Um, we grew up Catholic, which like. None of us are super devout. Um, I went to religious ed my whole life. No one else in my family really did. Um, Neither of my brothers on my mom's side are baptized Catholic. I think my sister on my dad's side is, but like my brother on my dad's side, I don't think is. He might be, I don't know. Regardless, it's always been a really important holiday in our family, especially with my two grandparents who passed away this year or last year now. 
And on Christmas Eve, I just started like really, really missing them. And it made it really, really hard to the point where I was like sitting on the couch in a perfectly enjoyable environment with my partner's family. Like it's Christmas Eve. His brother was coming over with his girlfriend and two kids. And like it was going to be a really good night. And I just like wanted to cry. Like I was just sitting there feeling like I was going to cry. It felt like heavy and sad and tired. And like since that moment, I feel like I didn't really come out of that fog like through the last two or two or three weeks. I think I'm coming out of it now. Um, But then like after being in Baltimore, we came back to Richmond for a day or two. And then we immediately went down to South Carolina for New Year's Eve. And we got to see our friends who bought a house down there who like we probably hadn't seen in like a year, which I think was my happy pill one of the previous episodes and it, and it was really fun. Like I really enjoyed it. But then coming back to Richmond was like a breath of fresh air, I guess. Like it was, it was a moment to just like take a deep breath and like settle down for a minute and like let go of that fogginess and that exhaustion and that like sadness that felt like a kind of cloud over me the last like three weeks. Um, and I wouldn't say that it felt like depression. Like, like when I was depressed earlier in 2019, it was like, it was like sadness and it was like constant, like literally not wanting to get off the couch. I would say over the last like three weeks, I was still able to enjoy the moments. I still had a lot of fun where like previously when I was feeling really depressed, I wasn't able to, but it was just like, a, a there was just like always something in the back of my mind that was like feeling sad and overwhelming and I don't know if it's just like the holidays in general. It's, I mean, like we just talked about, it's like for whatever reason, a very hard time for a lot of people. Um, It's very busy. It's very expensive. It's all these things that we've talked about. So I think for me too, like, even though I, I also don't really make a lot of resolutions, I do sometimes do what's called mind mapping. Happy to talk about that with anyone that wants to hear more about it. It's just, what is that? <laughs> mind mapping is kind of like creating a vision board, but it's a little bit more in depth. Um, it's like, basically I have a big poster board sitting in my living room right now that has 2020 in the middle of it. And then resolution alert, it's kind of resolutions, <laughs> but it's not really resolutions. It's, it's more like setting goals for the year. So it's not like I'm going to eat healthier. It's like my fitness goals are to work out two to three times a okay, week. So it's like super tangible. Yeah, goals. exactly. Okay. And really so concrete. Yeah. And you break it out into categories. Um, it really is like creating a map of your mind and your goals for it. And like it says 2020, but I, I don't necessarily think that like every single one of them is going to be met. A lot of them I've created very like short, tangible goals that I know I can meet this year others are just more general career goals um but so I've got like my like I said work and career goals I've got another category that's like financial goals I've got another category that is um oh my god oh uh house we bought a house a little over a year ago so we're working on some house projects one of my categories on my mind map is projects for the house for the year. Um, so it's not really resolutions. It's not like I'm trying to change who I am fundamentally or change anything about my life. It's just mapping out my mind and my goals for the year so I can stay on track and know like what I want to accomplish. Um, and, and for me, that's a really important exercise at this time of year because it is like that start over, that fresh start, that kind of like, okay, we got through. And, you know, I was trying to think about like why people make resolutions at the beginning of the year. And time is a social construct. I was going to say, is it because time is a social construct? Yeah. And I think that's part <laughs> of it. But I think that. It well, may, it is. Yeah, but I think it also may have been born out of the fact that like the holidays are so busy and everyone spends like two to three weeks not working, eating unhealthy, 
and it's just a good time to like step away from that and be like and like recenter yourself and say okay like now I'm back on my like I'm back on the right page here like let's move forward um so so yeah I I, I again that was much more long-winded than I intended it to be but overall the I was theme of this podcast yeah exactly <laughs> um overall it was like a pretty exhausting time and so I've just been slowly trying to get myself back into a more motivated mental state and like get back to focusing on work getting back into routines um stuff like that yeah that's awesome yeah yeah so I think we're all on the same page here of like Feeling ready a little bit renewed ready to move on from the fog yeah. of the holidays yeah and ready to just like hit the ground running yeah, I'm not quite at a run yet, but, like, I am definitely interested in a fast walk, like, <laughs> in January. Like, that it sounds, like, nice to me. A brisk walk, a race walk. Yes, a race walk. <laughs> like, one of those, like, older ladies who, like, moves their arms a lot when they, like, walk around with, like, weights in the neighborhood. And the hips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, jazzercising, but, like, stepper size. I watched some weird YouTube video. Anyway, no. <laughs> oh, my God. We are hitting 2020 at a walk race pace, people. Yes. <laughs> can't wait it's gonna be so great will you join us <laughs> um can we please use that as a quote yes yes <laughs> there's your quote for the Insta hitting post. 2020 with a walk race pace <laughs> uh a race walk shoot it's race walk pace oh it's fine whatever we, it's fine it's an olympic sport it's legit what race walking no oh my god after this i'm gonna show you videos of <laughs> race walking it's amazing i'm very much looking forward to that I bet you should be <laughs> uh all right let's dive into some stuff substance here so just like a little bit of background I pulled some statistics that I want to point out for you guys that I think uh are going to be important for like all of our discussions going forward they kind of go along with our general theme of the podcast um so so before we get into this topic about resources one of the things I mentioned before is that a lot of people we've talked to have had a really difficult time finding therapists and getting mental health treatment. So I just want to back up and talk about like the percentage of adults in America that experience mental illness versus the percentage of people that are actually getting treatment. We can break it down a little bit into ethnicities and minorities. Um, and so all the statistics I'm about to read to you are from NAMI, uh, the National Alliance on Alliance Mental Illness. On mental illness. Um, these are statistics from 2018. So in 2018, 19.1% of U.S. adults experience mental illness. That's the same as saying one in five adults. 4.6% of U.S. adults experience serious mental illness in 2018. And then 16.5% of youth aged 16 or 6 to 17 experienced a mental health disorder in 2016. So like these are pretty big statistics, right? And and when you couple those statistics with like the lack of treatment options that are out there or the lack of people that know about resources or have the access to mental health, I would imagine those numbers are realistically way higher. Way higher. Yeah. yeah. And so just in a very small anecdotal way and thinking about us and like our friends and yeah. like the inability to like find afford access yeah, exactly any sort of mental health treatments kind of crazy yeah and then when you break that down into some demographic groups 14.7 of non-hispanic asian um, u.s adults experienced mental illness 24 20.4 percent non-hispanic white americans experienced mental illness 
16.2% of black or African-American adults experience mental illness. And one thing that I think is interesting about these statistics is that when we talk about the access and people actually getting treatment, I think they align. So like right now, the highest percentage is among non-Hispanic white Americans. And then the second highest is non-Hispanic black or African-American. And it sort of goes down from there. And I think Oh, and then 37.4% of lesbian, gay, or bisexual U.S. adults experience mental illness. So that's way higher yeah. than the general population. And I know we talked a lot about when yeah. we were talking in our holidays episodes. We were, I mean, what was the what was the craziest statistic? It was like one in two trans people. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Uh, consider suicide. Was that the yeah. statistic? Yes. Like something. So, yeah, just thinking about the way it, it affects lack of access to resources affects your non-white, um, non-cis, right. et cetera, any sort of population that would be <laughs> not white and not cis, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so much worse. Yeah. And so then when we talk about the percentage of those people that have experienced mental illness, only 43.3% of those people actually received treatment in 2018. And then 64 like point less than half. Yeah. Less than half. They identif- identified on a survey yeah. that they really need help. And then less than half of them actually receive treatment. Right. Yeah. And then 64.1% of U.S. adults with a serious mental illness receive treatment in 2018. I don't know how they're defining serious mental yeah, illness. Yeah, I'd be interested to see that. Yeah, I mean, maybe if I do a little more research, I can find it. I just, like, nah. pulled up this website two <laughs> seconds before this episode. But, like, if you think about that, though, just going back to that, like, I don't know. What if you had a heart condition and you, like, labeled on your server, like, yeah, I had this, like, pretty serious heart condition. But, like, you know, I wasn't able to do anything about it. Like, yeah. less than half of people, like, exactly. didn't address their life-threatening heart condition and I mean frankly the stuff we talk about in here can be very easily life-threatening when you get to talk about suicide and everything yeah so yeah it's kind of crazy it's really crazy um and then like so so this this page also says the average delay between the onset of a mental illness symptom or mental illness symptoms and treatment guess what it is I don't know a, a month 11 years what 11 years 11 years people wait 11 years to get treatment for oh their mental God. illness i thought before. i was bad by waiting I know. for like a year-ish yeah. like a year and a half yeah so like from the time where i was like okay i need to find somebody etc yeah not from the time that i was like yeah i probably have anxiety but like meh yeah. It's not it's not a giant point I want to address. Do not wait 11 years. Oh my god. Because then you end up in the situation that I was in or that you were in where it's an emergency situation right. and you literally have nowhere else to turn. Good god. Yeah, it's I mean that was that was pretty staggering So when like I first after the that. 11 years then only half of the people, less than half of the people are still yes. getting treatment. Yes. So wait over a decade and then you have like a 40% shot of actually receiving treatment. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting. And if you're a male, only 34.9% of people that have experienced mental illness get treatment. Stigma. Yep. For females, it's 48.6%. Not surprised that's higher yeah. for females because, again, stigma. Right. Um, Men can't cry or talk about their emotions. Nope. Gosh. Nope. Um, lesbian, gay, or bisexual, 48.5% receive treatment. Non-Hispanic Asian, 24.9%. Non-Hispanic white, no surprise here, it's the highest percentage, 49.1%. So it's still not 50%, Yeah, but no it's surprise, highest. right, that white people have the most access. And it's interesting to think about, too, and obviously neither of us can speak to this because we are white and yeah. we are female. So um, it'd be interesting to think about, like, 
how different cultures think about mental health treatment and how that impacts people like yeah. getting access. Like I wonder if any like additional stigma plays a role in that like I feel like it probably does yeah so uh well one we have someone that's going to contribute to the podcast that will talk about that um also in this video that I was watching so this also says um non-hispanic black or african americans only 30.6 percent of them receive mental health treatment and one thing that this Trevor Noah video talked about and this is why I love Trevor Noah because he addresses like real issues he makes them funny and he makes jokes about it but he talks about real things that matter um and so in this video where he's talking about african american or people of color getting mental health treatment he talks about the additional stigma within that culture so so men of african-american descent or in the african-american communities that like when they say that they want to get mental health treatment that they're being told like you don't need a therapist you need jesus <laughs> and you don't need to go to to get mental health treatment you need to go to church mm. or like it's not okay it's not generally accepted to even talk about it and like I think that's probably common in a yeah. lot of communities, like yeah. not feeling comfortable talking about it. But I or think even it within is. families, you yeah. know, it doesn't yeah. even have to be necessarily in a subculture of people or like if you're something that's like not white or not cis or something like yeah. you could be in a white all female household and maybe your specific family is like, no, we don't do that. We go to church or we do this or we just don't address it. Yeah. For well, 11 years. Yeah. And then what's worse is in this video, they also talked about how in children when white children go to a therapist for like irritability or certain symptoms they will get diagnosed with depression mm -hmm. when a person of color a child of color goes to see a therapist with the same symptoms they get labeled as disruptive or exhibiting disruptive oh behavior God. and so that just contributes to more stigma because why would you want to take your child to a therapist if they're just going to be labeled as disruptive, disruptive right that's right. not going to help that's only going to hurt no i wouldn't take my kid to a therapist either if that was the right statistic. Like, exactly yeah for sure don't blame anybody at all for not doing that yeah yeah so i think it's i think there's absolutely additional stigma in different subcultures or different cultures that yeah. like we we haven't experienced yeah, stay um, tuned for some of that insight. yeah that's and that's exciting. exactly why i want to get um, this person to contribute. I'm not sure that this person's going to actually come on to the podcast. Um, we will try to get someone that will, but we, we at least have a perspective. Um, and so, so one other thing that I, I know I'm just like spouting off facts here, but one other thing from that Trevor Noah video that was really, really staggering to me is that only 4% of psychologists in the United States are black. So even when a person of color decides to get treatment, it's virtually impossible. I mean, 4% of psychologists, if they want someone that ha can share their experience and can understand their experience and their culture, like it's nearly impossible for yeah. them to find that person. And that's one thing that this person that I want to contribute has talked to me about specifically in Richmond is like, it's, it's literally impossible to find a, a therapist that is a person of color and that can understand it's also crazy because richmond is pretty diverse actually yeah. i think our african-american population outnumbers our white population um don't quote me on that if it doesn't outnumber it it's close it's like 52 percent or something like that i just read the statistics the other day yeah um so that's a, that's especially crazy yeah. like richmond is diverse in a lot of ways and it kind of boggles my mind how like different people can't find yeah people they identify with and that's also i mean let's just pause that's not to say that like 
all African-American people are seeking an African-American counselor. Like, right. Just the same way that, like, all gay people aren't like me and have to, like, seek a gay counselor. Um, actually, most of my gay friends don't go to a gay counselor. It yeah. wasn't, like, something that was crucial for them, like, I feel is important to me. But I suspect that it is a factor in many people, especially, yeah. probably, I assume, people who are maybe trying out, like, any mental health resource for the first time and especially in therapy because it is kind of like intimate and intimidating or at least before you go like that's how you think of it as Mm -hmm. because you know just seeing it like in social media and the movies and etc like you kind of know it's going to be an emotional experience so at least having somebody who you feel like you can level with at least superficially it's kind of important. And yeah. Like maybe that's not a factor for you is maybe you've been in therapy for 10 years and you're kind of like, no, this person's super competent. She doesn't need to, or he doesn't need to be X, Y, or Z. But I don't know. I know at least for me in this early sort of like interaction with therapy, it's important to me. So, yeah. And I think that's why we want to do this episode where we talk about resources, because one thing that is super important for anyone seeking mental health treatment, no matter who you are, what you're looking for is finding something that works for you. And so that's why we really wanted to devote this episode to talking to you all about the different resources that are out there and the different ways that you can seek that treatment if you want to, whether it is in person or virtual or something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so really quickly before we start talking about that. Oh, and I think this episode is more of like the background episode. Yeah, this is our background sort of leading up. In our next episode, we're going to talk and go through like a list of specific, specific stuff. resources. Yeah. like. Maybe you thought about them. Maybe you won't. You'll get our take on them. You'll get um, sort of like a research-based take on them. And you can sort of, I don't know, at least learn about options maybe you haven't considered yet. Yeah. So, so, and this is going to be really important because this this page that I'm looking at right now says that 60% of U.S. counties do not have a single practicing psychiatrist. 60%. Oh. Yeah. So when we talk about the lack of access and the lack of resources, 60% of the people living in this country do not have a single practicing psychiatrist within their county that they can go see. Think about like how big some counties are too. Like I'm just thinking of like our county, like Henrico County. And like, frankly, I don't know, I'm not traveling out of Henrico County to go see a therapist because that would mean it would be like 45 minutes away. And like, uh, no, we live in the capital of Virginia. I'm not traveling 45 minutes exactly. when I live downtown in a city Yeah, to go. S- yeah, that's crazy. That just makes me angry. Yeah. So so if you're living in one of those counties, you should listen to this episode and the <laughs> next episode because we're going to tell you guys some alternative options. Yeah. So so. Uh, yeah. So I think that's a lot of background information about like the percentages of people that are experiencing these mental health issues, the percentage of people that are actually receiving treatment for these issues. The need. Yeah. And the need for it. I mean, these numbers are pretty low. The yeah. number of people actually accessing treatment is less than 50%, no matter what, m- like, ethnicity or minority group that you are. Yeah. Um, after over a decade. Yeah. <laughs> after over, after 11 years, people are getting, wow. half the people are getting, tre- less than half the people are getting treatment. Okay. So that was a lot of statistics that I rattled off for you guys about the sorely lacking mental health treatment in our society, um, which I think, you know, stigma is a big 
contributor to that, which is one of the issues that we're trying to deal with with, with this podcast. Um, so I think this is probably a good place to to stop this conversation. By the way, just so you guys know, we're working on making our episodes just a tiny bit shorter going forward, just so that they're a little bit more easily digestible for you guys. You can listen to them on your commute and you don't have to you know, stop halfway through and finish it later. So we're going to try cutting here. Laura's going to give you guys a good intro into what the next episode is going to be about. And then we'll finish off with some happy pills and homework and we'll send you on your way. Hey, sounds good. So just wanted to give you guys a super brief overview of what we're talking about in our next episode, the different kinds of resources we're going to be discussing. We'll of course dive into our personal experiences with these mental health resources because, I mean, we're the professionals here. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Listen to our disclaimer. Um, so we're going to be talking about our my experience with therapy, both group therapy and um, individual therapy. We'll be talking about Caitlin's experience with meds, which I know she has never talked about on here before. Just kidding. What meds? <laughs> I don't take meds. Your actual happy pills. Um uh, psychiatry. We're going to be talking about like in-person therapy versus online therapy, um, any sort of other kind of remote access to mental health treatment, um, different mental health apps, maybe alternative forms of therapy. So things like meditation, different um, apps they have out now like Calm and Headspace. Um, I know a few of my friends are on those. So we'll be talking about those. We'll be talking about lawyer specific resources. So like things of the ABA, um, has published um, different podcasts that I have personally found helpful and that are recommended by the ABA, um, different recovery groups. We're going to be talking about crisis hotlines and call centers. And then I think we're going to wrap with maybe resources that are less obvious and maybe like a bridge to seeking more formal help. So talking about crafting um, a mentally healthy conscious community you can talk to so that could involve like friends who are good listeners something as basic as that but also just people who I don't know use like the right language and the right approach to talking about mental health I know that some circles that I roll in I kind of have this confused face when they talk about mental health and um, I'm part of those circles for other reasons and they're valuable to me for other reasons but it's really nice to have like a community I can come back to to talk about mental health um, issues. So we're going to be talking about all of those resources. And obviously, we're open to getting your input on those as well and seeing what has helped you. So yeah, we'll wrap with that. Yeah. All right. Happy pills. What is your do we have the same happy pill? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I'm kind of stealing the one you said earlier. <laughs> you can steal it. It's a good one. <laughs> All right. I'll go first then. So it sounds kind of like I did it first before Okay, you do. great. <laughs> because they didn't just listen to this whole podcast. I have the claim. Thank you. Some Adverse possession. I bet you some people skip all the way to the happy pill because that's all they want to hear. <laughs> I just want to hear what great things are happening in Caitlin and Laura's <laughs> life today. Like that's all I actually care about. Yes. Um, admirers. I wish. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, all right. My happy pill this week is truly, though, like the fact that the holidays are over, the fact that I now have an opportunity to like hit the ground running for 2020, just like take that deep breath and start over with a clean slate. Um, I'm in the process of 
not renovating, but just like repainting and refurnishing my home office, which I'm super, super excited about. Um, the paint got delivered last night and I immediately went upstairs and did a first layer of primer. I was up to like 10 or 11 doing that, Aww. which is like later than I'm usually up. Um, so I'm really, really excited for that. You sound like, like a legitimate adult. It's I know. Scary. It's like, like who's excited um, about primer? Like. But like, it's so <laughs> cute. Like I've, I've I'm just, kidding. I kind of want to be excited about it too. Well, I'm just finally at the point where like, I'm not skimping on furniture. I mean, I'm not getting like super expensive furniture. Mm -hmm. Everything I've gotten from gotten is from like Amazon or Wayfair, but like I'm getting all the little things that I want. It's not like in college or law school where I didn't have any freaking money. So Somebody's I could like hand me down Ikea. Yeah, or something exactly. Like that. I'm yeah. like, I, yeah, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to spend $200 on this desk. I'm going to spend $150 on this shelf just to like make it exactly what I want it to be. Because once it's done, I'm going to be spending most of my time in there five days a week if not longer um so like I I really want to make it really nice and so my happy pill is just the fact that like we're through the holidays and now I can finally like get started on some of those goals that I've been wanting to accomplish for a while and um number one is getting my office set up oh and number two is planning a beach vacation which I'm Ooh, gonna be doing soon too that's exciting <laughs> yeah Good ones. Um, yeah. So as you know, Caitlin stole my happy pill. Mine was that the holidays were also <laughs> over. Um, same sort of clean slate feelings apply. Um, I'm looking forward to like several big things that are coming up and also sort of um, reflecting on what I've been able to do well that I haven't been able to do well before. So one of those things is being able to effectively nest in my new office space, which isn't at home, as you guys know. But, um, I mean, you would have already caught this if you've been religiously watching our stories. <laughs> um, but we moved into a new space, which is still far away from my house, which I'm grumpy about eternally. But it's fine <laughs> um, because I used to be able to walk to work, and now I can't. And I know all y'all have, like, probably a much heavier commute than I do, but it's just personally taxing to me. Wait, you walked to work? Yes, dude. I love walking. Yeah, I mean, walking to work from Churchill is, like, a 20-minute walk. It's not like it was, like, three minutes okay. away. And I didn't do it in, like, terrible weather right, or right, snowstorms. Right, right. But, like, no, I often walked. Yeah, that is nice. It was nice. Yeah. And then I would, like, walk home to, like, go walk my dog, you know, like, stuff yeah. like that. So, but, I mean, again, if you watch my stories, I really enjoy remote work and having flexibility and working from home. I get bored in my environment super easily. I think I'm going to discuss this with my future therapist. Um <laughs> I don't know. I moved around constantly as a kid. Nesting oh. in a space is very difficult for me. I don't find it Same. comforting. Mm -hmm. Like, it freaks me out. Like, the idea of being, like, I think I was just about to say the idea of being stuck somewhere freaks mm -hmm. me out. Like, the fact that I'm fashioning it as stuck somewhere instead yeah. of, like, oh, I'm in my happy, comfortable home or yeah. <laughs> whatever. Like, I'm restless. So, it's been really important for me to find work environments that allow me to, like, scoot around literally yeah. all day I'm in different spaces in the office literally all day people know to find me on the back porch if it's even a little <laughs> bit sunny out um they just come to my porch office so um or like I work from home a lot too so um but anyway my happy pill was like I realized that I created a pretty effective nest in my office and I've been spending a little bit more time in there I filled it with plants and like happy things somebody weird from work who I still cannot identify snuck a cat toy in one of my <laughs> plants <laughs> That's like a big like I fluffy blue caterpillar. So I don't even I'm very confused. <laughs> I definitely thought it was like a large blue bug at first when I first <laughs> saw it. 
because I've been gone for a week in Colorado. That and would I be was the like, actual biggest bug that has ever existed in Virginia. We are not in the rainforest. It's a, it's a total rainforest bug, but I was like, okay, all right, I don't know. But anyway, like I like the people that I work with. They're obviously a bunch of pranksters. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. It's been nice. I have my little heated corner. I have my like giant space heater, my USB heated blanket and like all this like comfy, cozy stuff. And I like sit cross-legged like the gay that I am, like doing my like work all day. And I don't know. I'm a little bit proud of myself for like actually being able to sit on a spot and sit there for more than an hour. Like congratulations, Laura. It sounds like kind of a ridiculous achievement, but it's kind of big for me. So I'm excited to do that. Yeah, so I think that's my happy fill. Um, nice. I feel refreshed after vacation stuff. So excited for the new year, etc. Love it. Do we have homework in this outline you did? Um, no, we don't have homework in the outline I did because I did the outline. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why there is no published homework. So the homework for this week is before you listen to next week's episode about specific resources that exist, do like five minutes of some Google searching on your own. Look for like a new way to get mental health treatment. Maybe look for a new app on your phone like we've talked about Dailyo before Mm -hmm. that helps you track your moods. Just do like five minutes of researching and look for maybe some type of mental health resource that you didn't really know was out there. Let us know if you find something new. Send us a DM or an email or whatever. Ask us if we're familiar with it. We'd love to talk to you guys about new resources. I think we're familiar with a good amount, but I'm sure there are some out there that we don't know of. So if you find something, let us know. Um, But, you know, just devote like five minutes of that. And then next week when we talk about specific stuff, maybe you'll hear what you found. Maybe you won't. And then maybe eventually we can like put our list together and provide a list to all of you. Sounds good. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.